Hi, I'm Rebecca, and this is my podcast, The Second Half. This podcast is about the challenges and joys we experience, especially in the second half of our lives. I'm hoping that the stories that my guests and I share will help you feel less alone as you face your own challenges and will make us all feel more connected as a community. Before I introduce my next guest, I wanted to talk about the notion of the second half and what it means for this podcast. It can mean the experiences we have and the things that define us as we go through the second half of our lives, but it can also mean pivotal decisions or circumstances in our lives that change us and the way we define ourselves as we move forward. Today's show is about one of those circumstances. Kyle Herbig shares the story of his coming out journey and how he was able to be true to himself and find fulfillment and love. Here we go. Hi, Kyle. Hi. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Um, let's start off with a little bit of background. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Okay. Um, I grew up in Moline, Illinois, which is along the Mississippi, northwestern Illinois, near Davenport, Iowa. I went to school in St. Louis University for college. Mm -hmm. I had a, at the age of 11, I really became enamored with aviation and um, realized that that was the thing I wanted to do in my life. How did that come about? I was at gate 15 Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis at the Minneapolis St. Paul airport coming back from a family trip in Seattle and on our flight back to Moline looked around at all the activity at the airport um, looked at the airplanes and the people moving the airplanes and I have a somewhat of a a passion for organization Mm -hmm. and trying to make order out of mess. Right. Yeah. And looked at how, uh, complicated that piece of transportation is. And just thought was really fascinating. And then realized that there's all these different types of airplanes and, you know, how do they get from point A to point B and who's doing that? And how do you get all these millions of people? And so um, when I came back from that trip, I um, had asked my parents for information about airplanes. And so they were really good about, uh, you know, giving me that opportunity. They would drop me off at the airport by myself because wow. this is before 9-11, so right. you could get through security. And you I were would, just like 11, 12? Yeah, I was 11, 12, 13, and they would um, drop me off. I'd stay there for like two hours, and then I would they'd come pick me back up. I'd have my little books. I'd ride my bike to the library to go s- learn about aviation during the summer. That is so cool. And Yeah, and then I um, would, anytime that we would go on vacation... My mom uh, was a single was single for most of growing up, and so when another my mom and my sister and I would go on vacation, we would always have to stop at an airport for at least an hour or two so that I could oh watch gosh. airplanes at a busier airport because in Moline you only had maybe one flight every hour, if that. So my opportunity to actually see airplanes and all that, all that was limited, right. and then. 
I used to write to airlines to for information on, and they would, you know, because I was young, they thought yeah. it was cute, so they would send me back all sorts of packets on. That is awesome. Yeah. So I had this big file of, um, you know, just boxes of aviation stuff, and so that led into what I knew I wanted to go to school for, mm-hmm. and I selected St. Louis University, which is how I ended up going to for school. And then I really wanted to learn a different language. So I, they also had a really good Spanish program hmm. where you could go to, you know, live in Spain for a little bit right. and all my credits would transfer. So it was just a good selection did you and do a good that? fit for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where did you go? Um, so they have a, a campus in Madrid in Spain. And um, so I spent my sophomore year there living by myself with a family. And that was really helpful because if you're immersed, obviously yes. you get more of a... A true experience, not just culturally, but also, um, you know, with the language. So that was really helpful. I came back um, to Saint to finish my mm-hmm. junior senior year at St. Louis. Got a job in aviation. Used my Spanish. I volunteered when I wasn't working. I would volunteer at a clinic where they needed translators for it was at the basement of this church and they needed translators to help the doctors and nurses that didn't know Spanish. Right. So I would So your Spanish was really good. It was. Yeah. yeah. It was it was cool. it was it was fairly cool. and I haven't used it as much mm-hmm. except for now because uh my husband is um from Brazil. Mm-hmm. That oh, led right. into Portuguese, right. which is close to Spanish. So yeah. it actually it's kind of funny how you know, you don't you don't know if things happen for a reason or not, but yeah. But you had but, that base, and so yeah. So of... my so now my I use Portuguese more often than Spanish, but that has helped me mm-hmm. learn Portuguese faster. Right. So anyway, but yeah. So then I moved to Washington after um, starting a career in general and business aviation. That's how I ended up in Washington. Was um, a promotion uh, back in two thousand and six so hmm. i was 20 i hadn't quite reached 25 and um have been here ever since so you got to dc and you were in aviation and how was that it was everything i did mm-hmm. um and for me the um personal side of how that you know, kind of took over my life only because I was hiding so much of um, who I who I am, but didn't want to admit to myself that being gay. So I put throughout my entire twenties mm-hmm. um, all of my effort and you know work and life into my job, which you know was advanced me a lot because when you focus so much on something, you end up you know succeeding. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it was great. I worked for, um, the organization that I worked for. I would, I traveled around the world. Hmm. I was responsible for a lot of the internal strategy, um, that went into the, um, in workforce and how they were trained and how they operated. But it also uh, didn't leave a whole lot of time. And I think purposefully I did that because I didn't want to think about the the personal things that 
that I was hiding mm -hmm. from myself. Right. So. And yeah. then when did that change? I wanted to have a personal life and I realized that, um, you know, work doesn't care about you as much as you care about it. And, um, I think as you, you get older, you start caring less what people think. And it was just, a uh, a slow transition of not, of choosing not to, um, be myself, you know, mm -hmm. choosing to be myself. Right. Yeah. More so than anything. Right. Were you lonely before that? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I really and didn't go out much. I didn't uh, uh, want to put myself out there. Um, so as a result, I just focused everything on work. work right. Uh, yeah. And then kind of was there one specific thing that kind of changed that in terms of did you meet somebody that were you thought okay i did yeah yeah i was actually at work mm -hmm. naturally and uh it was a uh an officer with customs and border protection that obviously had kind of had an interest in me and i think it, the timing was just right mm -hmm. and how old were you i was 28 and the timing was just right and I decided that I would go on my first date, you know, what it, what I felt was my first date. Yeah. Um, and of you really being yourself. Right. Right. Exactly. So that, that went well and we ended up dating each other for four years. Wow. Yeah. And it was during that period of time that I, um, didn't want to hide anymore. Right from my family, from my friends, even though, you know, there were people within that group that knew I was gay and just needed time to, mm -hmm. to come to, to that conclusion myself. Um, but it was during that period of time that I came out and started to be a little bit more open with um, being more comfortable. And that has changed you know, as far as being more authentic and Absolutely. more transparent mm -hmm. has changed my life considerably to being more happy. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, being gay is a choice. You can choose to be miserable, you know, or choose to be who you are. Right. And I, um, I'm thankful that I'm in a time in human history where I'm able to make that decision right. and, and look forward to the future and know that there are other generations that probably won't deal with the same, um, you know, sit, you know, situation or mm -hmm. what were you, why did you not, what kept you from being yourself until you're, you know, uh, your late twenties was it um, fear of losing the people in your life, like your family, or was it a career issue? No, I think it was sh a mixture of fear and shame. Um, I 
grew up in a, as I mentioned, grew up in a smaller town. It's not really a town, but I grew up in a smaller community um, in the Midwest in the 80s and 90s. And the uh, idea of being gay and different uh, drew attention. And so I went, I remember it was in the sixth grade where, you know, the bullying mm-hmm. starts. Right. And because kids can, uh, they sense things. Yeah. That they, you don't even know. They're yourself. old enough where they, yeah. they know how to hurt you, but don't yeah. know why or don't understand the other side of that yet. Right. So, um, I think for, you know, because of that and dealing with that for years of, um, really having very poor self-worth mm-hmm. um, and being the target of a lot of that um, animosity for the school. And because of also being who I am, I didn't, I have my mother's stubbornness. So despite that, um, though that incoming uh, really, uh, tried to work myself through it hard. Like, for example, when I say that, I still got good grades. Right. I still was well liked by the teachers. The, um, a lot of the females at my school liked me, um, or thought, you know, that I was cute or something. And so that just drew more animosity from a lot of the other guys there. And, so, but you put on a veneer of toughness Absolutely. To, make, to work yourself through it. Yeah. So if you do that for years and years during your formative years uh, of coming into adulthood, there's always something in the back of your mind that, that, you know, you don't think you're a bad person, you know, but everyone for so much of your life to that point had told you that you are. So I think, or just, you know, being who you are is, you know, you're, you're not as worth as much as, um, others. So I think that it took me another 10 years to get over that. Right. What about Um, in college? What was your experience in college? Well, you know, I went to a Catholic university and it was Jesuits though. So those are, those guys are, you know, they tend to be a little bit more, um, Liberal, but I wasn't around um, a, a, a tremendous uh, um, support group for that, and yeah. still still suffering with some of those things I mentioned about yeah. Yeah. not wanting to let you know still still not wanting to let people know. Mm-hmm. So um, when I would, did go to Spain, that was really helpful because you're by yourself. I had formed friends. A little, bit, a little bit more liberal, open culture, being in Europe, yeah, and not um, having the same um, uh, uh, just environment. Yeah. So that was really helpful when I came back, and then uh, I think fortified the idea of just you know being more of yourself, mm-hmm. and so. Um, but you decided to concentrate on 
uh, college and then your career. And mm-hmm. that was the, the primary yeah. goal for you, yeah. right? And I think I found myself a pattern that allowed me to just kind of stick to it. Yeah, because and, that was that gave you rewards too, that, that I'm sure, sure when you succeed at something, it, it does help um, fill you with self-worth and confidence yeah. and meaning. Um, but it wasn't enough. No, I mean, there's, I think that lends itself to, I think humans, uh, and you know, I'm not a anthropologist, but (laughs) the, the idea that we aren't necessarily meant to be alone or there is something you gain from relationships. Absolutely. And so I think I was ready for that. And that's what pulled me out of, you know, that, um, did you, to be transparent, the process of having your first boyfriend and being in a career, did you find anything surprising once you started to be more yourself or was there surprising in a good way or in a bad way in terms of other people's reactions or the industry or your career? Oh, surprising in a good way. I felt people don't, uh, generally care if they really are your, uh, close friends or family, they're just happy that you're happy. Right. And I find that to be true. There's, um, you know, there might be things that are thought or said or that I'm not aware of, but you know, once you've gone through right. your childhood of getting, hearing all of that, it's kind of funny how as you reach an adult, any insults or anything that's kind of negative based on who you are, it's it's interesting how funny that becomes, and right? How um, as you get older, it yeah, changes the way you for see sure. it. How about in your professional career? I'm a little still more hesitant. It's interesting when I because I do travel so much around the United States. Um, I'm I'm hesitant to talk about my personal life right. in certain communities when I visit. You know, across you go the all countries. around the country, yeah, yeah. When I go across some countries, when I go across the different states, um, okay. I will not. You know, I'm wearing a wedding ring, but I don't talk about my personal life, and that's easy at work, right? But sometimes, if some you're in, don't... you know, longer conversations with yeah. people, stuff starts to come up, and so I do find that I would, uh, I am careful about that, and I don't know that I, I don't like that, but. I tend to be guarded that way um, because I really still feel, even if it's a smaller town in the, in, in uh, the center of the country or wherever um, people are still good. Absolutely. And um, I think that's still my own preoccupation. For me, it's just, it's so a not issue with my kids when my kids were growing up having a a brother that's gay it's just like having a brother yeah. that's it has it feels like nothing different for me but i live in the real world so mm-hmm. i do realize that there's things but i completely understand there's a process that you have to go through yourself and your family goes through mm-hmm. yeah and in the future i think that those processes will go away not yet right. but they I feel they will. The more that you talk about it openly, this is how we've been able to make these changes mm-hmm. in society in the last five years alone. You know, so the more people do that, 
the more people become more comfortable. Yeah. And then it becomes easier for younger generations to just be who they are. And I think about my grandma. She's currently 90. She's turning 98 next week. And it's funny. She was upset. Not that I am gay. She was upset that it took four years for her to be told because to her (laughs) at 90, you know, at that point, 93, 94, she didn't care, you know? And so I feel, you know, there's even in myself, for example, or others, there's a self-regulating, absolutely, uh, you know, barrier that we put up that is unnecessary. And we make assumptions about what people still think. Yeah. There have been times where we've known people, not close friends, but I've been with people and I've said things and they've said things that I find offensive and I will call them out on it. And some people I just choose not to have in my life if they have views that are so diametrically opposite of what I find. Are my friends with people that disagree with me on political, social issues? Absolutely. But the issue of uh, homosexuality as uh, just a, a, a something you're born with, and it's just a part of who people are and their right to love who they want, that's something that I am less likely to brush over if somebody really finds that... Um, doesn't have love in their heart for people mm-hmm. and understanding because that's something very close to me. So right. most people in my life, um, you know, I, I don't even think about it. I talk about my brother just like I would talk about my other brother. Both I have two brothers, one's straight, one's gay. And I talk about their spouses the same and their life the same with no thought. But once in a blue moon... If we're in a situation where something comes up and somebody says something really, where they really express the fact that they are not willing to love that kind of person or accept that kind of person, then to me, that's it's, it's not worth for me to have that person in my life. There are a lot of things in today's political world where I think people disagree and we're scared to even bring it up to each other and we've siloed different communities and that's where we are right now is such a division. So I hesitate to say that I'm not willing to open my arms to people with different views. I, I, that is not true. Um, but I do want to be with people that, that love other people mm-hmm. and accept other people who you know who they are. That's that's a that's a baseline for me. Well, what's funny is I just recently got married, and the uh, interesting. I remember uh, some of my mom's friends being very upset at the musical Rent because of the topics it covered. Right. And growing up for <laughs> me, there were a lot of kids in school my age and my myself as well who really loved the music. And how it took on a lot of um, uh, issues that people didn't want to talk about, but uh, drew attention to a lot of important topics. Yeah. And what's funny is those same people that I remember very distinctly having, you know, you know, very, you know, big issues with some of the 
topics like either discussed inside of Rent or other shows showed up at my wedding. They were very excited. There was no, you know, so I think there is an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah. To learn. And the more you experience, which is why travel, I think, is so important for uh, people, is if you start to learn how similar we all are, it really opens your mind uh, to um, being more loving. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the bottom line, really. Culturally, sexual orientation, all of it, it's loving another human being. The mm. more human beings that we encounter, we we hear their stories, we see their life. Um, I think we can be more empathetic as human beings. So I, I totally agree. I wanted to ask you what you are most worried about as you enter your second half, and what are you most excited about? As you get older, you kind of get more stuck in your ways, and I really Absolutely. am... Um, cognizant of of wanting to make sure that doesn't happen, that I still um, am open to saying yes to things, experiences, because I really feel like that keeps you young. Yeah. Um, there's topics today that keep coming up and there's con- society is constantly changing. Views and norms are constantly changing. And you'd mentioned political silos. I feel that those things happen when you become rigid. Um, and the idea that my, it's, it's the way I think is the way I should always think. Well, maybe not, you know? Right. So I being cognizant of that, I think will lead, you know, to a more fulfilled life. Yeah. 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 That's great. Thank you so much, Kyle, for coming and joining me for this episode. I really enjoyed talking to you. My pleasure. Okay. Well, bye. Bye. Hi. Thanks for listening to the show. If you liked it, please subscribe to my podcast and rate it and leave a review. And if you want more information or if you have topics you want me to cover, visit me on Facebook or Instagram at The Second Half Podcast. See you next week on The Second Half.